0: Hello and welcome to the Cupid Guy podcast, brought to you by Classic, the quantum algorithm design company. My name is Yuval, and my guest today is Vincent van Wingerden, technical architect for data and AI at Microsoft. Vincent and I spoke about quantum-inspired computing, about the open-source Quantum Catas project, and much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let us know how we did by emailing hello at classic.io that's hello at cla.ssiq.io. Hello Vincent and thanks for joining me today.
1: Hello Yuval, I'm very happy to be here.
0: Glad to have you. So who are you and what do you do?
1: So my name is Vincent van Wingerden. I am working at Microsoft and I am working at the Dutch subsidiary at Microsoft and I am keeping myself busy with the data and AI space and I work a lot in the quantum space and quantum education and talking to our customers and our partners about what con- a quantum will bring and how a quantum computer will basically change our lives forever uh, once it's here, but also the impact which quantum will have today and what we can achieve with a quantum, uh, quantum algorithms today.
0: Do you feel that you have to go to customers and start explaining what quantum is and convince them to think about quantum? Or are most of the conversations initiated by customers coming to you and said, we hear about quantum and uh, we we want to get into it?
1: I think both are both type of customers are there. So there are customers who are really at the forefront. And I think these are also customers who already uh, who will be Uh, there and have the most impact uh, right away. For example, uh, there is a like chemistry will be an industry which will be heavily changed if we have a quantum computer available. And I think these customers are already more uh, proactively seeking towards these solutions while maybe other customers who are not aware how much a quantum computer will change their world or will change their perspective are maybe not as proactive uh, to coming towards us or coming towards anybody else. And we come to them. Uh, I think a good example we be, will be, for example, the logistical uh, logistics companies. So, for example, if we're talking about transportation and optimizing routes and how do we get a a package from A to B as efficiently as possible, that is not always seen as a solution where quantum computer will make a huge difference. However, that is really a space where a quantum computer could make a difference, or even where uh, quantum inspired algorithms, which we can execute today on classical hardware can already make such a huge difference. And so I think uh, there, these both these types of companies exist. So either companies who we proactively go towards and customers who are coming towards us.
0: You mentioned quantum inspired computing. And um, I, I saw that on your blog, but I'm not sure I heard it many other places. Could you explain what that is?
1: Yeah, sure. So quantum inspired is basically, we, of course, we uh, have been researching quantum mechanics and quantum concepts for a long time already in science, and we sort of have an understanding how everything works. And to make it simple, quantum inspired basically takes these principles of quantum mechanics and quantum computing, but execute them on classical hardware. And that can be, for example, on CPUs, on very large clusters, or that can be on FPGAs. And some things, these can have uh, lots of advantages in specific areas. For example, if we're talking about optimization, uh, let's take again, let's go back to the previous example that we had, logistics. It's quite a hard subject to solve. It's quite hard to get an optimal route, especially if you have a large fleet of uh, of cars, if you have a large amount of uh, addresses that you want to visit, there's a lot of variables going on and the search space for an optimal route for an optimal delivery schedule is getting very big. And these type of uh, problems, they can be solved with classical algorithms, but mostly solving these can take so much time that Basically, we do not, it takes too much time to find an optimal uh, route or an optimal schedule. And therefore, what we do is we try to get the best possible schedule um, given a specific amount of time. And that yields not always the ideal route or the ideal schedule. Now, what can quantum-inspired compute do? We can take these concepts that we've learned from quantum mechanics, from quantum computing, and we take them and execute them on classical hardware. And we can basically improve on those, uh, on those schedules. So mo- make more efficient schedules in the same time that you are creating schedules right now, or use less time and create as efficient schedules as we have right now. Uh, a nice example, which is a public reference case from Microsoft, is for example, um, using this technology to create MRI scans. So MRI scans are basically done in in a hospital to scan a specific uh, joint or scan your brains or anything like that. And to create an optimal path for a scanner, we have to do some calculations, we have to do some math. And using these optimization techniques from quantum Inspired We can basically either create more efficient paths of scanning, um, given the same amount of time to solve the problem, or we can create as good as paths that we have right now. um, But in a lot lesser uh, in less time, basically. So quantum inspired is really in an area where we have advantages of the learnings that we have from quantum mechanics and quantum computing right now. And that is also something that you can get started with right now. So you can be a Python developer and make use of these awesome algorithms and solvers uh, right now.
0: Is that sometimes called digital annealing? So is that basically taking quantum annealing concepts and running it on a digital computer?
1: Yeah. So it, it's, it has the same purpose uh, as a as a quantum annealer. Yeah.
0: Now, one of the promises of quantum computers is they can solve much more complex, multi-dimensional problems than classical computers. But if you take quantum-inspired concepts and run them on a classical computer, aren't you running into the same limitations that quantum computers were supposed to solve—that the problems become too complex for classical computers?
1: Yeah. So, of course, the quantum-inspired a computer at the moment is not as powerful, or will be as powerful as a quantum computer eventually will be. So eventually, if we have this large-scale fault-tolerant quantum computer that will be way more efficient than the than the digit and the quantum-inspired solvers that we have right now, uh, however, we don't have that large-scale fault-tolerant quantum computer at the moment. So if you want to take advantage, Uh, of that knowledge that we have on quantum mechanics, quantum computers at the moment, this is a great tool to use. Uh, And also given that it will take quite a lot of time until we have this full tolerant, uh, large scale quantum computer, this is a great step in between. And also to uh, prepare people and prepare companies on what this step will be, get people into the quantum realm and understand how solvers, how these new type of solvers uh, can already bring huge benefits um, in contrast to the solvers that they are using uh, right now.
0: You mentioned that Python developers can start using these optimizations today, but thinking ahead, do you expect people to need to be retrained either Conceptually, or sort of, it's just a little bit different programming language to use the advantages of uh, quantum computing. I know you're involved in an education project for that.
1: Yeah. So, we are, I'm working on a project uh, uh, called Quantum Cadas. So, it's an open source project on GitHub. So, if you go to github.com, Microsoft, Quantum Cadas, you will find great learning resources. So, To give you a little bit background on this project and and why and what it is. Basically the quantum quotas is a set of exercises to get people from zero to hero in quantum computing. So we basically completely start at the beginning. So we're talking about linear algebra and how to get started with that. That is all done in Python, the math part. So basically what we're doing is we're giving people exercises to get them familiar with specific concepts. And that starts with matrix multiplication, um, the adjoints of matrix, you name it. So really get them started with the basics of the math, which is involved in quantum computing. Then we scale up and start talking about actual qubits. How, do, how does a qubit work? What can you do with a qubit? And that is not done in Python anymore. So then we are switching to a language which is called Q sharp. This is a domain specific language from Microsoft and it is domain specific. So it's specifically designed to run uh, to program quantum computers. So it is not really used for classical programming. And this q uh, language, basically the reason why Microsoft has started building a Q-Sharp language, instead of, for example, creating a Python library, which is also an option, is because the programming for a quantum computer is so vastly different than programming for a, a regular computer, so for a current computer, that, um, basically, we want to give this or give all the possibilities that a quantum computer offers in this new programming language. And the idea is that you have one language, QSharp, and that that can target multiple hardware architectures. So currently, for example, if you start writing code in QSharp, then you can target an IonQ machine as well as a Honey, uh, Honeywell machine. In uh, in Azure Quantum, so that is the language that we are using in the quantum course. So people will start with Python to learn the math concepts, and then people will move on to Q Sharp. And from that Q Sharp language, people will really ramp up. So start with basic concepts on, on what is a qubit, then go to more uh, advanced concepts. So how to use gates, how to do measurements, uh, how to do joint measurements, you name it, multiple qubits, And eventually really move on to algorithm design. So how does Grover algorithm work? How does the Deutsch-Jose algorithm work? And really from there go on to more and more advanced subjects. So it is a series of programming exercises, basically, to get people going in quantum computer and teach them how specific algorithms work. And to teach them how it works, we basically ask uh, people to write that algorithm in Q sharp. Of course, it's step-by-step, so it's not go write Grover's algorithm from zero, but start with the small steps, start building a small Oracle, and then using Grover search to, for example, find some optimal, um, solution or find this solution using Grover search. So that is really the uh, the idea of the katas, to get people into quantum computing, to teach people how to program this quantum computer using QSharp. And this project is started by a colleague of mine called Maria, and she's working on this uh, on this project for quite a while already. I've been coming on board roughly two years ago. And she's not just working on the quantum cutoff, but she's also working on some other really cool concepts to really teach people how to program these quantum computers. And I also think that that may be a nice guest in the future. Um, But to come back to the cutoffs and to come back to your question on if everybody should change and go from a classical developer towards a quantum developer, I think eventually you don't need to know how to program gates or how to really program circuits. Um, like now at the moment, if you're programming for a classical computer, you do not need to program in assembly code. You do not need to program all the gates that you're going to use. And that's also what Microsoft is doing with QSharp. We're trying to really add high level library functionality Uh, also to specific domains within quantum. So for example, chemistry or machine learning. So people do not need to use all those gates and do all the difficult low level stuff, but can use more high level um, library functions. So people really uh, do eventually need to change, of course, how they work, but they don't need to know at a gate level, uh, what they actually uh, should do. And I think once we get more closer towards these larger scale, full tolerant quantum computers that it will get a little bit easier for developers to develop uh, quantum programs. But of course you will need to yeah, learn how to use these new libraries and understand what a quantum computer does to really take full advantage of the things that a quantum computer uh, has to offer, just like once GPUs came out, and I think that's a good comparison to a quantum computer, you really had to learn how to use a GPU to accelerate specific workloads. I think the same will happen with a quantum computer. You will need to know how to use this accelerator to accelerate your workloads, whether it's chemistry uh, or, or logistics or anything, you really need to um, yeah get get into that. And one great tool to get into it, to learn about how a quantum computer works, is this uh, quantum cutoff project that, uh, that we're building. What
0: would be your preference for background for someone who wants to get into quantum? So let's assume you're advising a company. The company says, yes, we want to start a quantum team. We want to hire or repurpose three people to do that. Do you prefer some open-minded, uh, excellent programmer that does Python or do you prefer a, uh, a PhD in quantum information systems or sort of a physics major as opposed to a computer science
1: one? Uh, well, I, I think it's a, it's a difficult question for me to answer because I have a, none of those backgrounds. I studied economics. Uh, but I think being open-minded is very important in, in this space also because we see so much change at the moment and we see so much happening in the quantum realm. So if you can pick three people, it will probably be a combination of those, right? We, a, a great programmer who knows, who wants to learn a new language like Qsharp or wants to learn a, a library of Python, which, uh, which really, um, yeah, can, can ha- can program a quantum computer, but it is very good t- to have a very well understanding on how the quantum mechanics work under the hood. So having somebody who really understands what a quantum computer can do and how to leverage algorithms and how to actually build a quantum algorithm, I think that is something that currently PhDs with uh, in quantum mechanics, for example, will be easier uh, will be more suitable maybe to do than a a programmer at the moment. So a combination of the both I think will be uh, perfect. And I think in the current state that uh, quantum is in, both of these professions can become quantum programmers. I mean, whether regardless of your background, uh, the amount of tutorials, the amount of knowledge that is available on the internet is so big that either of those can become great uh, Quantum programmers,
0: and thinking a little bit into the future as we move from academia to production, um, let's let's take a two or three year time frame. What are the applications that you're most excited about that could deliver true business value on quantum in that time frame?
1: Yeah, so I think in the time frame of two or three years, it's I mean a lot will happen, right? We will it will be awesome to get some bigger uh, quantum computers. However, they probably won't be full scale, full tolerant yet. So we have, we have to get some sort of algorithms which allow for a, a little bit of error. And we see those pop up more and more, these, these algorithms which allow error and where we can still get value of, of, of that quantum computer. I will, however, I also believe that this will be uh, I think it will be hard to really get large applications which everybody's waiting for, for example, Shore's algorithm to run within that time frame. So I think that time frame of two or three years will also be uh, still a lot of academia still getting a lot of people into the field making sure we are ready once yeah, these large scale quantum computers will be ready but also this quantum inspired, how can we uh, sort of use this time and use this step in between um, to leverage that technology before the big step will come. Uh, And once this big step of a quantum computer will come, of course, everybody's waiting for Shor's algorithm uh, to really light up and start breaking the first keys. But uh, I think before that, uh, that that is ready, we need some, we still have some time to go.
0: Understood. I must ask you, um, looking at your background, you mentioned economics and now you're doing quantum, but you're quite the traveler. <laughs> What's the most exotic location that you visited? Uh,
1: yeah, I, I really like to travel in my free time. And I think the most exotic place uh, at the moment which we visited was, uh, was Greenland, where I did a hiking trip of roughly uh, 10 days where I walked in basically in the middle of nowhere uh, for 10 days, just with me, my backpack and, uh, and some food and uh, saw some awesome wildlife and, uh, and those type of things. So, yeah, I think uh, that, or maybe Alaska where we also got dropped in the middle of nowhere and just saw was us and some bears and then that's it.
0: That's amazing. Um, thinking about all these multiple places that, in the quantum sense that brings up the traveling salesperson or the traveling (laughs) hiker problem. Given today's capacity, how large of a TSP problem do you feel that computers can solve today?
1: Uh, Do you mean uh, quantum computers or, uh, or traditional computers?
0: I was thinking about quantum computers, but I'm happy to have you answer both sides.
1: Uh <laughs> let's start with quantum computers then. So the biggest, so TSP problem, uh, so traveling salesman problem, it, it doesn't get that far. You really need some qubits uh, to encode all the information on all the all the possible routes. So to get that to, I think it will not be, it will, it will be quite small. So it will be like a 10 or maybe 20, uh, 20 uh, locations, which is, is not very big. So a a traditional computer would be able to to solve that. Um, However, going towards uh, Quantum Inspired, I think that we can go already a little bit bigger. So I wrote a blog post on how to solve, um, I think it was 50 uh, locations on uh, Quantum Inspired. To be honest, to give a little bit of a disclaimer there, this is not the most efficient way to use quantum inspired, but it is, I think the easiest way to show uh, value. So I think that currently we can do more with classical computing, uh, but eventually this will really be a game changer also, because if we can, let's say you can create 10 to 15% more efficient routes. Imagine how how much kilometers less a car has to drive or a boat has to sail. And that can have a huge impact on on our environment.
0: And the last question on TSP, as we get close to the end of our conversation, how long does it take to get that solution for a 50-stop TSP on quantum-inspired computing?
1: Um, I hope I wrote that in my blog post. Uh, but on top of my head, I think we had something like twenty seconds, if I'm not mistaken. But I, ha- I have to look it up. But uh, it was not. A, it was a. Uh, it was an okay time. But again, it was by far the most efficient implementation. So it could be way more efficient. Uh, but it was. I think it was a good uh, way to show people on how to use quantum inspired uh, computing.
0: I think so too. So Vincent, how can people get in touch with you to learn more about Quantum catus and about the other work that you're doing?
1: Yeah, so I think it's, uh, I have a website, uh, a blog with some posts, so the TSP problem and some other things. It's called uh, vincent.frl. So that's one thing, uh, but the best way I think to get in touch with me is via LinkedIn. So uh, LinkedIn, uh, Vincent. Von Wingerden. So probably also the name will be in the title of the podcast. So uh, that will be the easiest way to get into contact with me.
0: Excellent. Thank you very much for joining me today, Vincent.
1: Of course, you're very welcome.